Section 15 of Blackfeet Tales of Glacier National Park by James Willard Schultz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 15 The Elk Medicine Ceremony. August 18. Not in many, many years have I been so affected as I was this morning. For some days I have had a high fever and have slept but little at night. In Simaki, growth woman yellow wolf's wife had been doctoring me with the good old remedy for fevers sweet sage tea but it seemed to have no effect so tail feathers coming over the hill announced that he would have his elk medicine ceremony for my benefit and that he was sure that it would cure me of my illness we had it this morning and to-night i have a normal pulse and the fever has left me I will not go so far as to say that it was his prayers that cured me, prayers far better, far more earnest than those of any Christian preacher I ever heard, but yet I am well. To me all religions are nothing more than the codified superstitions of the ages, but of them all, Christian and pagan, I like best the faith of these, my people, faith that the sun is the conservator of all life and the orderly ruler of this our earth and what absolute faith they have in their sun religion should christians live as closely to their beliefs as the blackfeet do to the laws of conduct given them by their sun god what a different what a happy world this would be before i relate the details of the ceremony i must tell something of the medicine itself the Blackfeet believe that when they lie down and sleep, their shadows, or as we would say, their souls, their spiritualities, leave the body and go on far adventure. Their name for this is Nipupakan, my dream, my vision, and when they awake they really believe that they have experienced all the incidents of their dream, and relate them as having been of actual fact. When men and animals were first created, they had a common language, and the latter had the power to change themselves at will into the form of man. It was in that long-ago time that a man seeking knowledge and praying earnestly for it was in his vision visited by an elk in the form of a man, whose name was Ponokai Utsinana, Elk Tongue Chief. I have heard you praying, asking for help. What is it you want? Perhaps I can help you, the elk man said. The man answered, I seek some way to relieve my people from sickness, some way to give them long life and happiness. Help me, if you can do so. The elk man answered, I can help you, I will help you. Through what was given me in my vision I am in great favor with the sun and all the gods of the earth, the deep waters, and the blue above. That medicine you shall have. I give it to you now. And having said that, he gave the man a painted lodge, a medicine pipe-stem, beautifully decorated with a down-hanging set of tail-feathers of the sage-hen, and wound with strips of the fur of the bear and various water-animals and with it wrapped in clean buckskins were the skins of birds and animals all those that live upon the water and in the water and feed upon the life of the water fish and all the various water insects and having given the man all this 
he taught him how to use it, with all the prayers and ceremonies that go with it. The man took all this to his home and used it, and found that it was great medicine, and ever since that time the Elk Medicine Lodge and the things that go with it have been handed down from generation to generation to this day. So now we come to the ceremony that was given to-day for the curing of my illness. It was my lucky day. Early in the morning Mr. Herford T. Cowling, chief photographer for the United States Reclamation Service, arrived at the Great Northern Railway Company's St. Mary's Camp, and I went to him and asked if he would take moving pictures of the ceremony, provided the Indians were willing to have him do it. He enthusiastically replied that he would be very glad to take it all in with his crank machine, so I went to my people to ask if they would permit it to be done. They objected, saying that the ceremony was so sacred that even the presence of white people, antagonistic all of them to their religion, would profane it. They did not count me. I was one of them. Said I, listen, my relatives, and brothers all. We are all soon to die, and as we pass away, the whole of the old life goes with us. Your children, taken away from you by the whites, put in school and taught the white man's religion and manner of living, will know nothing about the way their fathers lived, unless I put it all down in writing for all time to come. That I am doing, and how much more interesting it will be if I can have pictures to go with it say yes let us have with this that you are to do to-day the living pictures of it all there followed a long silence all considering my request finally my best of friends tail feathers coming over the hill wiped tears from his eyes and said brokenly apadikuni is right the whites take our children from us and teach them false beliefs but they teach them to read, and it may be that, after we have all gone on to the sand-hills, they will read our brother's writings and see us as we were, making our prayers to the gods, and having read and seen the pictures of it all, return to the one true faith. I say, let the picture-man come. Ay, ay, let him come, all cried, and I sent a messenger for him. During the ceremony he took six hundred feet of it, and so for all time to come is preserved the interesting ceremony of the elf medicine. The ceremony is always given in a closed lodge, but this time we threw the front of it wide open so that the lens of that moving picture machine could take it all in. As I have said, Tail Feathers coming over the hill is old, feeble, half-blind, and is himself unable to go through parts of the ceremony. So on the evening before this came off, he sent for Chief Crow and his wife, living near, to help him out. Chief Crow is also a medicine man, his wife, of course, a medicine woman, and he owns the Seitzer's medicine pipe. Four other medicine men were there, all of them taking part in the ceremony. In each of the three tribes of the Blackfeet there is a secret society of the medicine men, and the members help one another in all their ceremonies, and they and only they can dance with the sacred symbols of their rites. When I went to the lodge the sacred medicines were hanging directly over the owner's couch, opposite the doorway. 
they were the sacred pipe stem and many skins of water animals and birds enclosed in various wrappings and a buffalo rawhide painted pouch containing sacks of various colored sacred paints on tailed feathers coming over the hill's left sat his medicine wife i took my seat close to him on his right back of me and all around the right side of the lodge from me were a number of women on the other side opposite them were the men and chief crow's medicine wife the ceremony opened with a prayer by tail feathers coming over the hill beseeching the gods to look with favor upon what was to be done then his wife arose and undid the fastenings of the medicines and slowly reverently laid them on the couch between her and her husband the opening song then began the song of ponoquati unsana elk tongue chief oh how i would like to inscribe that song here alice fletcher says and i know that she is right that all indian music is classical but their tonal scale is far different from ours we have not one musical instrument that can reproduce it never never lived a white man who could sing these blackfeet songs as a boy year after year i tried to sing them and always failed one has to take them in with his mother's milk in order to sing them correctly the song ended the medicine woman with a pair of sacred red-painted willow tongs took a coal from the fire placed it just in front of the sacred medicines and dropped upon it a pinch of sweet grass it burned and as the perfumed smoke arose she and her man grasped handfuls of it and stroked their bodies thus purifying themselves before handling the medicines then all present joining in they sang the song of the real bear the grizzly while the medicine woman unfastened the outer wrapping of the medicine pipe stem roll which was bound with a strip of fur from a grizzly's back and at the same time in keeping with the time of the song they made the sign for the bear closed hands held upon each side of the head representing its wide rounding ears that song finished the song of the buffalo began the medicine man and the medicine woman clenching their hands and alternately putting one out before the other representing the deliberate ponderous tread of the animals as they travelled to and from the water when that song was finished and it was one to stir one's inmost soul another wrapping bound with buffalo fur was undone and all present besought the gods to have pity upon them next came the fourth and last song the song of the beaver chief of water animals and while it was being sung the medicine woman unrolled the fourth and last wrapping and the sacred medicine pipe stem lay in sight of us all at that all the women gave shrill cries of triumph of victory and all the medicine men beginning a solemn chant to the sun chief crow advanced received from the medicine wife of my old friend the sacred stem and extending the fan of feathers drooping from it held it aloft and danced in time with the song to the doorway of the lodge and back again and returned the stem to my friend who reverently took and embraced it and made a short prayer to the gods for the long life 
good health and happiness of us all, especially the little children of the tribe. Next came my part of the ceremony. My old relative and friend felt around in his medicine pouch and got out a small sack of osan, the sacred red paint, and painted my face with it, at the same time beseeching the gods to give me, his brother, Apikuni, long life, good health, and prosperity in all things. Then, having finished the painting and the prayer, he had his wife hand Chief Crow, his helper, the long red-painted wooden flute that goes with the medicine, and the latter, holding it aloft, danced with it almost to the doorway of the lodge, where he blew several soft, clear notes to the four corners of the earth, and then returned the flute to the woman. This was the elk medicine whistle, for imitating the weird call of that animal, and was used just now to call him the ancient elk god, to give me his favor, his pity. My friend, then facing me, upon his knees began the thunder-song, in which all joined, and, spreading his blanket-clad arms wide to represent the thunderbird wings, hovered before me, fanned me with his wings, the intent being to waft to me from him the sacred power. That over, all arose, and passing in line from the lodge, Chief Crow, leading, danced through the camp and back again, and the ceremony ended. I cannot begin to express how I felt all through the ceremony. I honored my people for their sincere faith, their reverence for their gods, and my thoughts went back to the time when they were the lords of these plains and mountains and knew not want and not so very long ago they were a tribe of three thousand members and now they number only eight or nine hundred and those who have gone have mostly gone from want from their susceptibility to disease because of lack of proper nourishment do you wonder that they feel bitterly toward the whites who have taken from them everything that made their life worth living august twenty seven because we were to-day to embark upon the deep dark waters of this lake we yesterday made a little ceremony on the shore beseeching the dread underwater people to have pity upon us and allow us to pass in safety over their domain we had a little fire close to the water's edge, and having filled and lighted his pipe with a coal taken from it, with his sacred red tongs, old tail-feathers coming over the hill, smoked and made his prayers. At the same time, casting into the water a little sack of his medicines as a sacrifice to the gods. It was a short ceremony, but satisfied even the most timid of the women that all would be well with them during their voyage upon the lake. And so, where we once had rude rafts of logs lashed together with rawhide ropes, we this morning embarked in good boats and went all up the beautiful lake, past Red Eagle and Little Chief and almost a dog mountains, to the head of the lake and looking back at the slope of milk river ridge saw the far apart enormous footprints of heavy runner keeper of the buffalo away back in ancient times after old man had made buffalo and they had increased and covered the plains they had great desire to wander westward and see what might be on the other side of the great mountains 
The people, the Blackfeet, learning of this, were greatly distressed. The far side of the mountains, away west and still westward to the shores of the everywhere water, was the country of their enemies, many tribes of them, and should they get possession of the buffalo herds, they would never let them return. What to do about it they had no idea, so they called upon Old Man for help. Said he, I made the buffalo to be plains animals, and here upon these plains they shall remain. And other side tribes shall come to you and ask permission to kill a few of them now and then. So don't worry. Go home and attend to your affairs. All shall be well with you. The people went home. They saw that the buffalo remained upon the plains in apparently as great numbers as ever. But some of the hunters, to learn for sure if they were all there, ascended the different passes of the mountains and went down the other side for some distance. There were no buffalo, not even a few straggling bulls on the other side, and they wondered how Old Man was keeping them back. They soon learned. In a vision it was revealed to Old Medicine Man that a huge god, a man of enormous stature, was patrolling the mountains from the far south to the everlasting snow of the north, and with a club driving the buffalo back eastward as fast as they came anywhere near the summit of the range. And so it was that the other tribes, those of the west, never got the buffalo. On our way down the lake we passed the beautiful sun camp and the chalets of the great northern, perched upon the very spot where tail feathers coming over the hill and I killed many a bighorn and goat in times gone by. It was a favorite wintering place of the animals, for the winds kept the steep mountain slope practically bare from snow and passing the mouth of the creek just above the camp, I remembered that I had named it after Thomas and Colonel Robert and the Honourable Cecil Baring of London, with whom I often hunted back in the eighties. In those days there were many bighorn and goats, and not a few grizzlies back in the basin at the head of the creek. And what amusing and sometimes exciting adventures we had with them! One morning we espied a big billy-goat on a ledge, and just as we saw him, he moved to the back side of it and lay down, showing only an inch or two of the top of his back. "'Who will go up and rout him out so that I can get a shot?' said Colonel Baring, and John Bean, of Yellowstone fame, volunteered. It was to be a steep, almost straight-up climb, so Jack laid down his rifle and started without encumbrance of any kind. At last he reached the shelf and stood up on it, and that Billy came for him, head down. And Jack! Never have I seen a man come down a dangerous cliff so fast as he did. And he kept coming, falling, sliding, rolling, and then Colonel Baring fired and dropped the goat, and man and animal came the rest of the way to the foot of the place together. We had been too much concerned for the safety of our friend to laugh, but when he at last stood up and faced us, bloody, half-naked, but not seriously hurt, we roared. But Jack never even smiled. Who would have thought that a blankety-blank goat would go for a fella? he exclaimed, and went to the creek to repair the damages to his person. On this day, halting here and there along the lake, 
we took some views of the scenery and of our people and at sunset were back in our lodges for some of us it is a last trip over the old familiar ground my two old friends tail feathers coming over the hill and yellow wolf must soon go on to their shadow land we were not too tired to-night for story-telling so after the children had been put to bed and all was quiet takes gun ahead gave us the following the story of tobacco which is called nawakosis end of section fifteen